is Richard from MTG Goldfish. Today I'm excited to share with you guys our new MTG Goldfish podcast. Uh, it'll be a weekly podcast where we highlight the latest Magic the Gathering news. Uh, it'll give us a chance to give you an in-depth look behind some of the numbers on the website, provide discussion behind the articles, and provide a general platform for interaction between the fans and people behind the website. So joining me today is our podcast host, Chaz, from Bolt Snap Bolt, and uh, he's an admin of the MTG Finance Facebook group, and Seth, better known to you guys as Saffron Olive, author of the many great articles on MTG Goldfish. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. You just heard where it all started. That was the intro for episode one. Who was that super serious, rigid person? I don't know. <laughs> Joining me today, we have Chaz and Seth. What's up, guys? What what's is going on? What's up? Oh, that read, that first read, that was, that is really awesome. Blast from the past. That was past Richard. Yeah. Let's hear what past Chaz sounded like. Hello, everyone. I'm Chaz Volpe. Uh, as Richard introduced me, I do have a community, Bolt Snap Bolt. I'm an admin of the MTG Finance community and right here for the website, mtggoldfish.com. And my favorite card in the Wizards universe has to be Seton, Crozan, Protector. <laughs> what was your favorite card? You know, it's it's Seton, Crozan, Protector. <laughs> I was, it, we started off strong. We couldn't even pronounce the... <laughs> On the first podcast, <laughs> it's a it's the uh, it's a centaur druid. It's it's a legend. I think it's three green. It's a two two. You can tap a druid for any mana, and it's uh, from Odyssey. That's that's so fitting that we started off the first minute of our first podcast mispronounce mispronounce not only mispronouncing a card, but Chaz, that was your favorite card. <laughs> Say the name of your favorite card. And you know what's, what's funnier than that is that it's that's it's actually a real like place. Like it's a college. <laughs> All right, man. I, I got the best intro for last here. Uh Seth, better known as Saffron Olive. Apparently I introduced that phrase and it was better known. I don't know where we changed it to probably. But, uh who is this strange person? Hi guys, I'm Seth. Uh, you probably know me better as Saffron Olive from Reddit and Twitter and of course MTG Goldfish. Um, I'm really excited to be here and try to lend some context behind uh, some of the articles I write and all the great data. Who's that guy? <laughs> you sound nothing wow. <laughs> like what you used to sound like. Really? Yeah, uh, you don't. I I don't know. I I guess I was not very comfortable talking uh, on podcasts and stuff back then. I got you got to think that was before I was doing videos and streaming and all this stuff. So that might be the first time I'd really like yeah. recorded myself that way. And I think I was pretty nervous. So I've definitely become much more comfortable with that over the the last hundred episodes that we've done. Yeah, so yeah, that that was two years ago, episode 100. <laughs> that was back in January of 2015. So we've come a long way. Seth had a voice change. Uh, <laughs> Chaz sounds pretty much the same, I think. <laughs> Ch Chaz has been pretty consistent here. His voice didn't change. Uh, apparently, I was like super rigid and sounded weird. <laughs> but here we are, episode 100. So today, we're going to go over Ether Revolt spoilers. We got three new cards. We're going to take a look into the past at some of our previous predictions to see uh, how we did. Uh, we're going to play the art game, which we started last podcast, where Chaz and Seth will square off to see who is the master of magic art. And uh, we'll talk about Sam Stoddard's 
standard situation. He sent out a, a little survey about how people like standard and, you know, how they interpreted it. And, uh, we'll, we'll sprinkle in some, some more tidbits and nuggets from the past and then we'll wrap things up with Fishmail. So, Ether Revolt spoilers. So today we got the long awaited Tezzeret. Uh, it was in Chinese. So this is the unofficial translation, but I have conveniently translated to Tezzeret the conspirator. I don't know if that's right or not. Uh, planeswalker, two blue and a black, five loyalty, plus one, create a colorless Ethereum stone artifact token with tap, sacrifice Ethereum stone, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So basically create a lotus petal. Minus two, target creature gets plus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is a number of artifacts you control. Minus seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your combat phase, target artifact you control becomes a five, five artifact creature. Yeah, so Blake uh, Rasmussen actually gave us the full English translated version. There's only two tiny changes. It's Tezzeret the Schemer. And instead of an Ethereum stone, it's an Ethereum cell. Oh, but everything else is the same. Pretty close. So the yep. schemer. Yep. Yep. Tezzeret the schemer. He's scheming. <laughs> Does that make him any better? Did they fix his loyalty, I, I, his abilities? I, I don't think any translation is going to make me feel any better about this card. Unless you change it back to Tezzeret Agent of Bolas. <laughs> oh, this card is really bad. No, what do you do with this? nothing i don't think this card is very good i'm halfway withholding judgment because it could be better once we see the rest of ether revolt the negative two could be more powerful if we see some cards or mechanics that are flooding the board with artifacts but uh, looking at our current standard it seems really bad and even the ultimate just isn't game winning. Like you get a five, five every turn and you got a plus for a whole bunch of turns. And then you just get a five, five. If you have an artifact on the battlefield, this has got to be got to be the worst Tezzeret ever printed. And I'm not very high on its prospects for seeing competitive play. So I had to ask the question. So I'll ask it here. Is the Planeswalker pack version anywhere close <laughs> to this? Like, is it even comparable? Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to jump in on blue cars because apparently I'm going to be served uh, <laughs> really well uh, today. But uh, you, you want it to do something when you draw it off the top. You want these planeswalkers to do something when, you know, at any stage of the game. And maybe it's just in certain scenarios, it's really bad. In some, some scenarios, it's okay. But like drawing this off the top into an empty board, I mean, what do you do with this? Make those lotus petals. Yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah, I I don't know. It seems really good. I mean, obligatory good with Heart of Kiran kind of thing. Like, you can make a lotus petal, take away the loyalty, and then crew Heart of Kiran. Like, it has a lot of loyalty to deal with. Or uh, that's literally the pitches the force of will argument. <laughs> yeah, planeswalkers with plus abilities yeah. combo with Heart of Kiran. So I guess everything except what uh, was it one of the Sarkins that didn't have any plus abilities? <laughs> Every other Planeswalker in Magic is good with Heart of Kirin. <laughs> Probably even that one because that like seven loyalty or something like that. Something crazy uh, like that. Uh, I don't know. I think when I first saw it, I was pretty disappointed because this is like one of the most hype cards from the set. The one thing I do like is we've complained a lot about Planeswalkers being... 
I don't know, stereotypical for their colors, like Obnix Liz, it just like all the abilities are black things. On Jace, all the abilities are blue things. Tetherite isn't like that. It is pretty unique and does different things, which makes it harder to evaluate. I just wish those different things were better than they look, so. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Like, even if you have artifact synergies, his abilities don't do anything. Like, with a card like Sahili, you know, in the right environment, you could see how Sahili could become broken. Whereas with Tezzeret, like, even if minus two is destroy a creature, it's not good enough. Like, Lotus Petals as a plus one, like, you know, Chandra, the other Chandra, the four mana Chandra, gives you two red instead of a Lotus Petal. And his ultimate is basically Agent of Bolus's minus one or whatever. Just make a five five artifact creature. And you can only do it once per turn. I don't see like even if there is an artifact deck, like why would you put Tezzeret in it? I mean you get you get to negative twice. That's the one argument I can see for it. Like Obnix list, you only kill one creature. This if you have enough artifacts around, you can kill things two turns in a row. Maybe that's the upside. You need a lot of artifacts just to kill anything respectable. You need four <laughs> artifacts to get like a grasp of darkness off here. Uh, that's and that's the part that I'm saying. I'm withholding a slight a bit a slight amount of judgment to see what the rest of Ether Revolt looks like because maybe there's artifact lingering souls or maybe there's you know a card or like a a group of cards that makes that a reality where you're constantly uh, killing big creatures with that without putting a lot of work into it that would be the one thing i think would change my my evaluation slightly but right now it doesn't look good at all if they have converge where you actually need like five colors of mana for some reason if they have something that counts uh, like metalcraft number of art like i can't think of ways to get this plus one to be useful like how good is a lotus petal like on turn five uh, <laughs> I guess turn like, four. Well, and yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super excited about it. Uh, I'm not super excited about any. I get okay. So I got it. This is a Vorthos thing. Uh, Bolus is gonna smash all the other planeswalkers, so they have to make all the other planeswalkers weaker. Uh, that's an I, interesting theory because I don't know, man. These planeswalkers look pretty bad. <laughs> a Johnny and Tez. I'm not. I'm not feeling them. This. This. This set. Maybe, what about the, well, we're probably going to talk about this card, but is there any possibility that they have to power down because of a certain oath that has been spoiled recently, making Planeswalkers cheaper? Well, let's let's talk about Oath of Ajani. So Ajani has joined the Gatewash to the surprise of everyone. Uh, green and a white, legendary enchantment. When Oath of Ajani enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Planeswalker spells you cast cost one less to cast. Is this card good? Is this card the best card? <laughs> no. <laughs> a lot of people are like going crazy over this. I, I it's really good. It's it's definitely I, I think it's the best card we've seen so far, and we haven't seen that many cards, but it, it's something to be excited about. It's like Oath of Nyssa, it has its uses. Like it's a it's good at every point of the game. So it's like a ramp spell that's still pretty good later on in the game because it has the second ability. And it's good early on because you can follow this up with a, you know, from a Thraben Inspector, turn the Thraben Inspector into a turn three or two three, play your Gideon on turn three, your Nissan turn four, and your Ajani on turn five. There you go. So I think the card is good, but I think you really have to be able to take advantage of pumping the creatures more so than just like making your Thraben Inspector better. Because if 
if all you're doing is casting Gideon's a turn early, you can do that with Servant of the Conduit or any of the other like two mana ramp spells, and you have a creature left behind that is probably, well, definitely more valuable as the game goes along to have a, even a 2-2 rather than just an enchantment that doesn't really do anything. So I don't know if it's good enough just to make your Gideon come down on turn three or Nissan turn four. So I think you gotta have a deck that is also somehow uh, making tokens and being able to go wide with them. Maybe it's just enough that you're getting tokens from like little Nissa from Gideon and making them a little bit bigger, or maybe you need some other like creature uh, token type strategies or something like that to really make the payoff. But I don't think you can play it just to make your planeswalkers cost one less because we have better cards that do that already. Yeah, I agree with Seth. I think this card goes in exactly one deck, and that's green-white tokens. Because basically, you're paying two mana for Nissa minus one, or you're paying two mana for Server the Conduit. And uh, it's not a creature, it's not a body. If you draw this in your opening hand, and you don't have a Planeswalker, this card does nothing. If you turn one Thraven Inspector, turn two Oath of Ajani, you've also basically done nothing. You made a 2-3, so you cast like a Sylvan Advocate. So you really need to take advantage of the fact that you can put plus one plus one counters on your entire team, which basically means token strategies or uh, maybe like a Fabricate strategy or something. But as Planeswalker Ramp, I don't think it's too exciting. And yeah, sometimes you're going to get the nut draw. And, you know, turn three Gideon is really strong, but... A lot of the times you'll have this card and no Planeswalker, or a lot of times you'll just top deck this and have one creature. And, you know, I wouldn't be thrilled about paying two mana to get a plus one, plus one counter at sorcery speed. So I think green-white tokens is where you'll see this and nowhere else. I like the idea of Abzan because you can, we played like a black-white Fabricate deck that was really good. And I think that you could support an uh, Abzan color strategy. And if you're making a bunch of servos and stuff, putting plus one, plus one counters on the whole team is really nice. And then you can back that up with uh, Sorens and uh, maybe even Nissa's, but Gideon's and Yuzo's as kind of your finishers. So I think that it can find a home, but I don't think you just jam this in any deck. All right. And yeah, it certainly seems spec- specified to and delegated to a specific amount of decks, but it is pretty strong. I mean, it's not it's good when it's good. And then I, I can agree with Richard's point where sometimes it's just not going to be that great. But I mean, you could have said the same thing about always watching and then you like pull always watching off the top and you don't really have any creatures. So it's kind of like that. But I mean, always watching is kind of better, though, because your future creatures get the benefit when. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know. Right. Well, it's kind of the same thing. You would just hold this if you don't have any creatures at that point. Maybe you'd need to up your enchantment count for (laughs) (laughs) something. (laughs) It it fuels delirium. Therefore, it's okay, right? (laughs) Yes. So next spoiler, Quicksmith Spy. So this is another card of the Quicksmith cycle, apparently. We've had Quicksmith Rebel. Now we have the Spy. So three in a blue, two, three, Human Artificer. When Quicksmith Spy enters the battlefield, target creature you control gains tap, draw a card for as long as you control Quicksmith Spy. You, you want me to go out on a limb and try to guess a couple of the other ones? <laughs> it's going to be super hard. Here, here we go. Green's going to add a mana. Black's going to make them discard a card. And I honestly don't know which one white is going to do. I, I <laughs> tap a creature. I think that they are only going to be blue red. Really? I don't think, uh, that's, hmm. that's, that's my guess. Is could, it's not a full cycle. Happen. Yeah. Uh, it's better than the red one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes, it is. Maybe it makes those uh, lotus petals from Tezzeret do something. So that's cool. You can tap them <laughs> to draw a card. Ah, <laughs> I really wish this was three mana, though. <laughs> yeah, the body is just not very good for a. I mean, would you play a two three that drew a card when it entered the battlefield? Probably not. That's all. That's your kind of territory because you like drawing cards a lot. I, I like drawing cards more than anyone, and I don't think I would play that card. So, so I'm not sure that. I mean, I guess in Magical Christmas Land, it's awesome if it sits out for like five turns, and you have your own personal Howling Mind by tapping one of the Ethereum whatever tokens from Tezzeret. But in more realistic situations, it's gonna like draw you a card and eat a Harness Lightning, and. I just don't know if that's really where you want to be for four mana when you have Gideons and even bad Tezzerets. There's just like so many powerful cards once you get to four plus mana in standard. And I have a hard time imagining that this is going to be able to fight for that slot. Yeah, it reminds well, me a of- bit of Azur Mage. Oh, go ahead, Richard. In, you know, in some matchups, this will be crazy, you know, where they don't have a lot of removal and you can just slap this down and over five turns you can draw a bunch of cards. But that's kind of magical Christmas line. In the other scenarios, it's a four mana two three that maybe draws a card and then dies. And I think those scenarios will be way more common. So I don't think this card will see any play whatsoever, but it might be one or two of as sideboard tech in, in certain matchups, uh, just as a gotcha, kind of like Azur Mage when she was around originally. Because it's really slow. It's four mana. It takes you two turns to draw two cards and you need an artifact and you need this thing to survive. Like just, you can just cast any, draw spell instead i think the azure mage comparison was really good but and and to go back to our point because i mean you can't even sequence this with tezzeret right because then you oath have to play this by turn five so oath of a johnny <laughs> oh, man, so turn one oath of nissa to fix your mana turn two oath of a johnny oh, okay. turn three tez plus one turn four quicksmith spy plus the lotus petal draw card boom you're only down four <laughs> cards or something at this point <laughs> I love the love the turn wow. two do nothing oath of a Johnny. So and we were and, so good. And just a set ago, we were making fun of my three mana O one fabricate guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So this is like intro pack rare territory. I think. Like even <laughs> yes. though the intro packs yes. are gone, like this is a card that I would peg for intro pack rare if they were still around. This is pretty good with Draven Inspector. Like early turn, you can at least get your clue token to uh, tap for ma- uh, cards. This this is a weird spoiler. You know, this is one of the first rares we're seeing. I don't know why they give us this one. Are we supposed to be excited about this Quicksmith spy? Like, it's a really weird choice to be such an early spoiler. They're flipping the script on us this time. Now they're getting all the bad stuff out of the way, so we can get more excited for the other stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Or maybe this is the power <laughs> level we're, we're looking at. Maybe this. maybe this is it. <laughs> Heart of Kiran and just no other cards, which could honestly be <laughs> it could happen by the end of this set. We've seen what ten cards so far. We haven't seen anything to do with energy. Do we know for sure the energy will be coming back? No idea. Nope. Four, yeah, fourteen cards, no sign of energy. Uh, interesting. They don't. Hmm. They don't. They don't want to power up Etherworks Marvel anymore. That would be a good thing, probably. Yeah, prob- probably a good idea, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's our spoiler prediction so far. It's time to open up the vault and check how we did with past spoiler predictions. Oh. 
Now, I'm just going to throw it out there, but historically, we've been pretty bad on Planeswalkers. <laughs> Here's what I had to say about Ugin the Spirit Dragon. So, in modern, you can't really Tron him out. Tron gives you seven mana. So, I, I don't, I don't yeah. see him being, having a home anywhere besides, you know, the casual kitchen table. So, Ugin <laughs> will not see play in modern. <laughs> that one extra mana is the deal breaker, apparently. That was it. Yep. I, I should keep a clip Tron. of that every time I get wrecked by Ugin <laughs> on turn four. <laughs> Sorry, not playable. Not playable. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> And uh, oh, remember a $60 Planeswalker. Do you remember the first $60 Planeswalker? Oh, no. Uh, oh, my. Are we talking Narset here? We're talking Narset. So let's see what Chaz had to say on Narset. <laughs> you know, when you play a game for a long time, I mean, obviously you have Jason Mind Sculpture. It's very good. as four abilities. I mean, over the course of time, they're going to have to make something close to powerful. And I think this is it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's been a good two years. I will, uh... <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, a lot of people agreed with Chaz at the time. You know, Narset did hit 60 for a reason. But you know you know what Narset would be really good with? Heart of Kiran. Oh, yeah. All that loyalty to power up your ship, man. That's a lot of loyalty. My, my favorite part is, uh, and we don't have the clips, I'm sure, but after that episode, the next, like, three months of podcast podcast episodes every single that was when we did the finance every week every single biggest loser in standard was in our set every <laughs> single week for like three months in a row losing the most value to any card in standard it was such a such a good prediction and good follow-up <laughs> yeah this is uh this is why i don't talk about blue cards that much i should be like i should always have like a caveat whenever Maybe I should just go like for broke here and say like Tezzeret, the schemer is like the best thing we've ever seen <laughs> since Narset. <laughs> wait, 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 but Chaz oh. sometimes gets green tinted glasses as well. Uh, I got I got a yes. clip on our favorite planeswalker that never saw play in standard, Arlen Cord. It's actually just not bad in standard at all. Like, <laughs> and the fact that it could at some day maybe see modern play. <laughs> is Arlen Cord modern, modern playable? <laughs> to be fair, I saw one or two lists, Jun lists playing Arlen Cord in the beginning before everyone realized that she was totally useless in modern and switched back to their Kalidas and Huntmasters. <laughs> you, you know what's funny is that that was probably one of the better Planeswalker predictions we've <laughs> <laughs> I. I remember that episode, and you liked Arlen Cord so much. The intro to that episode is "Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Arlen Cord podcast." <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's one of the most flavorful wow. planeswalkers from a flavor perspective. That's actually one of the best planeswalkers. Yes. You know, flip planeswalker, totally sweet. Arlen came with a a second planeswalker in that set that we all glossed over. Here's a clip of that. Let's, let's move on to the forgotten planeswalker, <laughs> the Heary the Harbinger. Already got eclipsed in pipes because of this werewolf. <laughs> She's got to be worse than Arlen, though, right? Like, if, you, if you're going to rank those two, like, Nahari is definitely behind. Yeah. Not only, not only, it's, it's Nahari. <laughs> you didn't even have that much respect. <laughs> not even going to get your name right. Oh man, it's got gotta Worst be behind Arlen Cord. Oh man, <laughs> turns out to be like modern warping for a couple months. <laughs> we 
hey, there was a modern there was a modern playable Planeswalker for mana. We just missed it. So <laughs> that's fine. To be uh, fair, we, we did point out that she could take she could bring out an Emrakul. We we did point that yes. out. But we yes. never understood that Jeskai would be a real deck. And <laughs> like that would be a legitimate strategy. <laughs> did I say yeah. Arwen in modern? I meant Nahiri. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but not not all is bad. We we got some good predictions. We got some good predictions. Uh, Seth has been a huge proponent of Emrakul the entire time, and uh, I have evidence of this. I think this card is pretty close to unbeatable in most scenarios when you just cast it for eight or nine mana. I think it's really cool, and I like it. I'm a little scared that this is going to be the next like Siege Rhino or Rally the Ancestors that everyone is going to be super sick of six months from now because they're just tired. Like it's not fun to get mind slavered. Like it's fun to mind slaver other people, but when someone controls your turn and uses your own spells to kill your own creatures and does all this horrible stuff to you, it's not a lot of fun. So we'll see. I think it's going to be very good in standard. I think it's way better than the original Emrakul in standard. So that's my that's my feelings on Emrakul. I think it's going to be busted. Interesting. Richard? It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm not as you guys. I mean, I, I agree with Seth. Uh. <laughs> Seth nails it right on the dot, and I'm just like, eh. <laughs> Literally not even five seconds after. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, Seth, well, that, Seth was, that was correct, right? Here we are. Yeah. Everyone's complaining about Emrakul. No one, no one understood that Etherworks Marvel would be coming along as well. So you can actually just cheat out Emrakul right. a couple turns earlier. And it turns out it's not possible to win. Or it's very hard to win when you're getting mind slavered. <laughs> My, but they my, take an extra turn. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite part of that is as I was running under the assumption it was going to cost like nine mana, and now we have like four mana emeralds, like in half of standard games or six mana emeralds. So I was even with how excited I was there, I was actually like severely underrating how easy it is to cast an emerald for a really low amount of mana. And, and I think I think Richard's right here. When we're when we're not talking about planeswalkers, we're we're good. We're in the clear of. Uh, identifying what's good we're also good at predicting mechanics apparently i predicted meld straight on i have evidence maybe we'll actually even see the the two flip cards do you guys remember maro talking about how he wanted like if you have like three cards and then they flip uh all together on some condition and you combine them into one emerald and he was talking about that and the gisela bruna thing might actually be it Right, you get two front faces, and they somehow flip together into like the fused thing in the back. So maybe we get some Dragon Ball action going on with fusion. Yeah, yeah, I got. Wow, I even Richard, got Gisela well and Bruno. I'm basically a prophet. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> you literally got it. The the two cards, perfect. Like it was perfect. Well done. <laughs> yeah, but we had some yeah. good times predicting planeswalk. I think planeswalkers. We've been pretty bad on. We were. We were high on Tamiyo, the Bant Tamiyo. Uh, we oh, were yeah. high on uh, the three color Sarkin. We didn't like, we didn't like the flip walkers or, well, yeah. Seth didn't like the flip walkers. <laughs> I was going to say, thankfully, the, the Jace fina- fiasco did not happen on the podcast. So there's no clip of that, but I, I was super down on Jace. Your, your article is still very much <laughs> viewable. <laughs> Yep. I'll have to see if Richard will take that down for me. <laughs> uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make like a highlight section, you know, blast from the past article, and it's gonna just randomly select this <laughs> college magic origins article. <laughs> uh, so let's let's move on. So last week we talked about the magic art game. And so that's the game on magiccard.info where it basically just shows you uh, the art of a card. So the art picture, you know, without the frame. And you're supposed to guess the card and uh, if you want the the artist as well. Now, uh, Seth proclaimed himself to be really good at this game because he assorted millions of bulk cards. So he knows every card and I believe him. He knows like basically every commander card that's ever seen play for some reason. He knows like every card he sees in Momir. So we're going to put that knowledge to the test. But Chaz also thinks he can give Seth a run for his money. Uh, you know, he has a degree in the arts. So we're going to battle it out today and we're going to play the magic art game here on the MTG Goldfish podcast. Each player will have five pieces of art to identify if they get it right, they get one point. If they get the artist right, they get a bonus point. If they fail to get it, their opponent can steal. Uh, the pictures will be on the website, uh, the article for the podcast. But if you're playing at home uh, right now with the podcast, you can hear my awesome description of the art. <laughs> and if you somehow amazingly guess it, you get three points. So since you have a huge handicap, you're going to get a bonus. So are we ready, gentlemen? I'm ready. This is so fun. I'm so ready. All right. So, Chaz, your first picture. It's a very dynamic picture. It is a picture of an ogre or maybe a caveman or something in a loincloth throwing a cow. <laughs> I Okay. I want it. I know what you're talking about. It's from Lorwyn, I want to say. All right. Yes. The card is from Lorwyn. Yes. I know it's a red card. I know it's a tribal giant card. Uh, f- no, it's not fling. I don't think they printed fling in in War One. Oh, I think I think I know. If you get stumped, is that I is think that I can steal? Is that your final answer, fling, or, or are you gonna change it? Um, I know it deals like four damage or something, but I'm gonna say fling. Uh, well, it's not I, fling. It is not fling. Not. It is not fling. Seth, uh, would I, you like to I steal? Think, I, I think you pretty much nailed what it does. It might be five damage, but I believe the card's name is Giant's Ire. Yes, that is correct. No? You guys yes, are correct. Okay. That is ridiculous. So Giant's Ire, three in a red, tribal sorcery giant. Giant's Ire deals four damage to target player. If you control a giant, draw a card. Mm, I literally nailed the entire card. <laughs> so you knew the card, but you didn't know its name. That was pretty impressive. Uh, uh, would you Would you like to try for the artist, Seth? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Drawn by Alex Horley Orlandelli. Okay, I never would have guessed that. All right, Seth, your first one is a doozy. Oh, uh, this it's oh. a landscape picture. <laughs> <laughs> it appears to be some tall grass with a dirt road winding and cutting through it, and in the back, it looks like a. I don't know. Maybe this is a palace. It looks like grain silos to me, but I don't think that exists in magic. But maybe some kind of palace. And there's a sprinkling of birds flying out. I I think that this is a plains of some type, but I'm not. I'm leaning towards like. Hmm. So for basic lands, uh, you need to give me just the set it's from. I think I'm going to fail at this one. I'm going to go with. 
I mean, I keep thinking it's a core set or has been printed in a core set. I'm going to go with fifth edition. That is incorrect. Chaz, uh, would you like to randomly guess a magic set? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Shards of Alara? That is also incorrect. So it is oh. indeed a Plains. It is from 9th edition. Yeah. Oh. Fred Fields. Have you guys been playing with your whiteboard? Wait, is 9th white or black? Uh, ninth, ninth is white. white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you been playing with your whitebordered lands? No, that's that's probably why I never would have guessed this. Oh. All right. Man. Next question. This one is for Chaz. This one is interesting. It looks like it's some kind of dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, it looks like a velociraptor or something, and it's red, and it's jumping on top of maybe a goblin and opening its mouth. I have no idea. I know I, I want to take a jab and say it's like from one of the Urza sets, but that might be wrong. I have no idea on this one, actually. Like, I know it, but I just know nothing about the card. Seth, would you like to steal? I don't... I believe it has Raptor in the card name. I'm going to go with Shrieking Raptor, but I'm not confident that's right. That is incorrect. It is actually uh, originally printed in Urza Saga, but the this this art, which I believe is the same. Let me just double check. Yeah, the art is the same, uh, but this is Urza Saga or 8th edition, Reflexes, one red enchant oh. creature. Oh, my. Enchanted creature has first strike. I see I, Urza's. I knew it. Oh, my. I was trying to remember, like, what set has dinosaurs in it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew it was. I, I just, I had a feeling it was Urza's. All right. I wasn't even close. So the score so far is Seth one, Chaz zero. Moving on to Seth's question. Uh, this is a picture of a guy in leather armor spreading his arms out. In the back, there is a pentagram that's on fire. Finally, an easy one. <laughs> uh, I believe this is unholy strength from as far back as. Alpha, I think. This is original art, I believe. That is correct. This is iconic art. You got a freebie here to make up for your planes. Uh, would you like to <laughs> guess the author? I uh, I can almost see the signature in the art, but I can't read it, so no. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> uh, it's Douglas Schuler. All right, so next art. This one's challenging. It looks like a super buff, I don't know, ram? <laughs> Uh, has multiple horns, kind of spikes going down its back. It's in a forest setting, and it's yellowish. It's, I don't know, there's like a beam of light or something. Um, Chaz, this looks like a green card. Are you on it? It is, <laughs> do, it do is you a know? green card. I know what it, uh, again, I can't think of the name, but I pretty much know, I think it's like a, a um, feels like it's from Zendikar, the first Zendikar block. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Honestly, I know it is a green card. I think it has landfall or something. I know like plus two, plus two, or it is a two two. That I'm like is giving incorrect. Seth like oh. <laughs> none of those avail. None of that was correct. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, would you like to steal? I actually don't even have a guess at this one. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. This is a fairly recent card, so it's Emerald Onyx from M10. Only an M10. Uh, Three and a green. What? It's a creature antelope. Oh, it's called Emerald Oryx. Sorry, not Emerald Onyx. Emerald Oryx. And it's a 2-3 with forest walk. Hmm. It's a, forgettable. It's a, it's a pretty buff 2-3 there. All right. Uh, <laughs> next one for Seth. 
Uh, this one's hard to describe. It looks like it's like a lizard golem hybrid, like a lizard machine with, uh, it's pretty big. It looks like it's crushing trees or something. And there's like trees in the background. Oh, uh, all right. So I'm pretty confident this is from the original Mirrodin block. <sighs> I want to say it's a Fengren card. Uh, mm, I'm going to say Fengren Ma- Marauder. I Fengren Marauder. I don't think that's correct, though. That is incorrect. Chaz, would you like to steal? Is it, isn't Mirrodin your golem. favorite set it's of not- all time? I hate this set, but I know these <laughs> cards, unfortunately. It's not Tangle Golem. I think it's like Malachite Golem or something like that. Ooh. Ooh. I know it's like, it's. I ha- it has something, it could like give it Trample. It's like a 5-3. That is correct. It's Malachite Golem. Six mana, 5-3. Yeah. Artifact Creature yes. Golem. Uh-oh. One in a green. Uh, it gains Trample until end of turn. Well, there we go. I knew it. Chaz is on the board. <laughs> oh. Two to one for Seth so it. far. Heading into round four. I actually four. drafted that thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Chaz, your next art is a soldier with a kite shield on one knee, putting his or her sword across his shield or her shield. And the backdrop looks like some kind of like snowy tundra or something where there's a mountain in the background. There's mist. Is this arena? Is that your guess? Yeah, is that arena? It is not arena. Oh, Seth, do you know what this mysterious card is? Uh, I do not. Hmm. I uh, I don't. I know who the artist is. Do you? I do. Does it uh, say on the? Xander. Oh, it, <laughs> it no, says on the no. art. Yeah, that doesn't count. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want that third point. Come on. <laughs> the card. What is it? Is dark maze. From Homelands, oh. there's actually two oh. arts. There's two arts of the same card because it's Homelands. But it is Rob Alexander. Four and a blue. Four, five, wall. Dark Maze can attack this turn if you pay zero. At the end of turn, remove Dark Maze from the game. I'm surprised you've never played with this card, Seth. Yeah, I, it sounds like I'm glad I have it. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't sound very good. All right. Uh, next question. This is for Seth. This art is more abstract. It's it's like a red figure in the front, but it's an abstract figure. And in the background, there's like three or four shadows of figures. That's it. I got nothing more for the description. Sorry, these, viewers. <laughs> these ones are... The early game art is so hard. I It could literally be anything. I don't think I've ever seen this art before. So I guess I'll have to give, give Chaz a chance to catch up. I have no idea. I it, is it a white card? I feel nope. like this is a white card. Nope. Uh, nope. nope. Uh, something shapeshifter. I have no. Can idea. you guess the set? Um, no. It, uh, Led Legends. A little, a little later. It's Ice Age. It's Infernal Denizen. Okay. Seven in a black ah. for a five-seven. During your upkeep, sacrifice two swamps. If you cannot tap Infernal Denizen and target opponent may gain control of target creature of his or her choice you control, the opponent loses control of that creature. If Infernal Denizen leaves play, tap it, gain control of target creature, lose control of that creature. If Infernal Denizen leaves play. You know what? I think the problem with this is I don't believe this is on Magic Online. 
So I've never gotten it in my eight drop slot in Momir. <laughs> if it was on Magic Online, I would know the name of it. <laughs> Ooh, that that is true. That 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 is a that is a handicap for you, Seth. But you know, if you want to sacrifice two swamps every turn and take a creature, Infernal Denizen is where you're at. <laughs> Uh, so last round, one piece of art each. Seth in the lead, two to one. So this is one for Chaz. It's a picture of, what is this? Some kind of primate, like an ape or a gorilla or orangutan or something. Mouth wide open, grabbing the head of some guy and looking like he's trying to thought seize him or something. He's trying to like pull his face off. I, I know this one. Oh, no. I know the entire card, actually. Wow, you I know the too. entire card? No. Wow. So this is from Apocalypse. It's Savage Gorilla. It's four and a green, I think. It's a three, three, I, I think. And I know it has an ability. You can do something to give something minus three, minus three, and you draw a card. Yeah, you pay because it's bug colored. So you got to pay if it's right. green, you pay a black and a blue and sack it. Yeah. 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 I you guys you got it. it. Wow. Savage Gorilla. Col- yep. Color me impressed. Okay, Chaz, for the bonus point, can you tell me the artist? I cannot. All right, it was Dave Dorman. But you guys both oh. got it. That's crazy. Apparently, uh, was was this a very popular card during that era? I just, I just I, yeah, I don't know why I know this <laughs> so well. It's, I, I loved Apocalypse, actually. I love that whole block. Yeah, I, I really like Limited, uh, IPA yeah. Limited, so that's why I know it is from drafting it on Magic yeah. Online. Yep. All right, Seth, this last question is for you. If you can get it, you win. If you can't and Chaz gets it, he wins. If you both can't get it, then it's a draw. This is a picture of an octopus <laughs> uh, with armor on inside his or her lair, and there's a lot of books around, and... Uh, he or she is holding books in a bubble. Uh, hmm. I believe it's cephalid something. I'm trying to decide what the something is. I don't think it's illusionist. Ah, I'm going to go with cephalid l- looter. That is not a looter. That is not a looter. (laughs) Chaz, do you know what this card is? I do. It's from Torment, and it's Cephalid Sage. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. No! Do you know what the card does? I think it's one in a blue. It has... It's a 1-1. I know it has, like, Threshold, maybe, or something. I don't know its exact ability. I know it's, like, a... I know it's, like, a lot of text. Four mana, two, three. It has Threshold. Uh. Uh, when it comes into it play, doesn't. draw three cards, discard two cards from your hand. So close. It was looting. <laughs> it's yep. kind of looting, but it is a cephalid sage. Yep. yep, I know. I know that one. I would. I told you. I love that whole like era. I love torment, apocalypse. Like that was when I really started playing. Really got into it. Oh, well, well done, Chaz. You you bested me at the art game. <laughs> Start off slow. Savage gorilla. <laughs> but boom, got there. <laughs> That was when, yeah, it was just, it just happened to be my, my time period, man. I'm impressed. Between the two of you, you guys got five out of the 10 yeah. arts. When I was putting this together, Woo. I got one and that was unholy strength. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's so crazy. I had the first one, the entire card. And then Seth comes in with the, I don't even know something ire. I don't even uh, remember the card now. It's like giant's so, ire. Yeah. Giant's ire. And I was like, 
and it does this and this and such as comes in with the card, man. Well, I, I'm not going to give up on episode 200, Jazz. I'm, <laughs> I'm challenging you to a rematch. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a pretty fun game. So if anyone wants to play at home, magiccard.info at the top, there's an art game link and you can actually play it. And it's actually pretty interesting. You think you know cards, but uh, apparently not. I don't know any cards. When this, playing this, this, game. Is, this was really fun. I can I can definitely expect to do this again. I'm sure someone will make us do this. <laughs> Again. Wow, that was really fun. All right. It was a lot of fun. It's time to yeah. open the vault again. Amidst all the frontier hype, everyone is on board or against this new format. But we started the podcast during a time where something similar was happening with tiny leaders. Oh. Episode four was when we started talking about tiny leaders. So let's let's hear what we have to say about tiny leaders. It feels like an affordable legacy format to me. To me, tiny leaders is the format modern is supposed to be. The format where you do broken stuff, but it's still affordable. I've enjoyed it. I look forward to playing it more, but you know, my initial impression is it's very cool. Even though I've never played a game of Commander in my life, uh, I love, you know, I love Tiny Leaders so far. So it's the format that Modern is supposed to be. <laughs> and it's affordable. Really? This was before every single card under three converted mana cost was bought up in spite. <laughs> Wow. Wait, but I was not alone. I was not alone. You guys were both on board, too. Okay. Here's what Chaz right, had to say right. about this. Uh, fair enough. My thoughts about Tiny Leaders were were also the same. I, I thought, so it's a perfect blend of one versus one commander and legacy. And it's tailored to be played one-on-one, -on -one, which is fine with me. I don't ever really play casual games and sort of, like, aboard the thought of having, like, a four-hour, like, EDH, like, marathon. Pretty reasonable, yeah. It's it, it is one v one commander and legacy, uh, but th what yeah. this revealed to us is Chaz is an EDH hater. <laughs> What's funny is is I've grown to and I play a lot of EDH now. And then we have Seth's yeah. view on Tiny Leaders. And some of the matchups, I came away feeling like I was playing a standard deck against his legacy <laughs> deck, and and that wasn't too much fun. So I think if the decks are fairly equally matched, we it's a really fun game. But there's a tendency to be lopsided uh, if one person's building casually and the other person is playing Vendelian Clicks and Snapcasters. Yeah, pretty reasonable. Yeah, that's that's definitely how it was. We yeah. we weren't like super hyping it up. We were just saying things, and they were true, right? Hey, except for me, I was saying <laughs> I was spouting off random stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were the whole way. Like, this is gonna reinvent the wheel. Like this is modern. It's actually pretty interesting like, because this was before I started playing modern. So now I yeah. modern is my most played format, and this was before I started playing Commander at all. So it's actually pretty interesting to see how my perspective has changed. Uh, because by now, I don't know, I've played like a hundred games of Commander or something. So it's actually pretty interesting. Tiny leaders. <laughs> 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 well, we played five games of Tiny Leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so well, since then, since then. So since we're gonna need fuel for next time we do this. Uh, give me your hot take, your quick hot take on Frontier. Ooh, I'll go first. Uh, Frontier is happening. Okay. It will be a thing. Uh, definitely, maybe not immediately, but I think in a year it'll be a pretty popular format. And either Wizards will adopt it or tweak it slightly and adopt it. Yeah, I, I mean, it was sort of inevitable for something like this to happen, but I do think it needs to be tweaked if it's going to be officially adopted. Wait, wait, wait. That, that, and, and I, and I, what's the, yeah, is it going to be what? or no? 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, it it was just kind of inevitable for something like this to happen. So I think it's going to stick around if if only because it was just going to happen sooner or later. Whether it's now or five years from now, it was going to happen. I think it's going to sort of fade away, but the, I think it'll be played on a grassroots level. But I think that it'll something similar will be picked up by wizards but it'll will not be exactly frontier it'll have a different card pool than frontier but it'll be uh, the postmodern format but i think we saw it with modern uh when wizards picked up overextended they tweaked the card pool kind of changed things implemented a ban list so i would be surprised if wizard supported frontier is the exact frontier we have now but i think we will have some sort of similar format supported by wizards in the next couple years also yeah. they need so they we're need all a pro frontier now what <laughs> they need a, they need a rotation or you're just gonna have modern again and you're gonna have to do it all over again yeah in another five years or seven years like the the pattern will just keep repeating itself over and over again i don't know if wizards cares because it keeps generating interest and selling cards so maybe they're fine with this happening but i would rather just see a rotation and have it be viable long term yeah. rather than creating a new format every five years when the old one gets too degenerate or too expensive right well actually contrary to what a lot of people will say we were never anti-frontier we just kind of looked at it and said well you know this this and the other thing this is probably not going to work let's try to like find some improvements we were never like against wholeheartedly frontier it's just seth and i i mean from the start and and you kind of highlighted this again in your article recently uh, on the site I think it kind of just needs a rotation or like you just said, it's going to just keep happening. And I don't know if we need like 10 formats, you know, 10, 10 years or 15 years down the line and, or what have you. And just so it's clear, I haven't played it yet. I'm hopefully going to play some with Richard in the not too distant future and actually test it out. But I'm still not hyped for it personally. And I still don't expect to really like the format, but I also know that other people do, and I can see the need that it could fill. So even though I don't like Frontier, I still would say that I imagine it actually happening, whether I personally like it or not. So just because yeah. I think it's going to happen doesn't mean I I am a supporter and I love Frontier now because I still don't know. But I think it's going to happen one way or another, uh, whether I want it to or like the format or I don't. All right. So let's move on to our last topic is standard stale. Stam Stoddard. Had a survey on Twitter asking how people enjoyed the current standard. The results were largely negative and uh, Jake and Seth tabulated the results and most people seem to have rated it below average. But then Wizards turned around and published an article, uh, kind of a retrospective on standard so far and said the response was generally positive. Is this a case <laughs> of Twitter and social media and stuff kind of being in our own little circle, not... You know, not reflective of the actual Magic audience, or is this a case of Wizards blatantly ignoring information and giving us their own narrative? Uh, I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think Wizards is clearly giving their own narrative because if you if you actually read the quote, Sam specifically says, when I asked on Twitter about the format, this is what people said and went on to say everyone loved it. So it, it's not like oh, we have all this information that uh, I don't know about and you don't know about. He is specifically referring to this Twitter poll he did where we tabulated the votes and they were overwhelmingly negative. So I think it is true that Twitter 
might not represent the whole magic community and maybe the community at large would have different rankings to some extent, but he's specifically talking about this poll and you don't have to do any crazy math or anything to just read over the responses and see that he's trying to spin an overwhelmingly negative uh, a number of votes uh, saying standard is not very good into a lot of people saying it was, they gave it very high rating. So I think it's a little of column a little of column B. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you here. It's it's a little bit of both. Obviously, Twitter's not the only voice here, but like you said, he did cite specifically Twitter, so I don't <laughs> I don't know where he's going with that. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because some things we complain about, I've seen other people like really excited about and it's actually kind of true because I mean, I liked playing Aetherworks Marvel. I still like playing <coughs> Aetherworks Marvel. Like I've tested with Aetherworks Marvel when I first saw it. Uh, had Decklist posted on Twitter. Like, I really loved the idea that you could just cheat out these massive, like, Eldrazi Titans, and it was fun. And it probably still is fun to people who are still playing. On the other end, I think people are, like you said, to go back into the vault, Seth. I mean, Emrakul is a thing, and people are a little tired of Emrakul, but, you know, they can't just turn around and say, like, yeah, sorry, guys, we kind of messed up. Like, Standard isn't really that great. Like, they kind of still had to push their own little narrative. If I mean, I'm really I'm taking uh, offense with like one term. If he had just said if he had just said like some people gave it very high results, blah, 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 and continued on like I wouldn't have any problem with it. But saying a lot is just that's what makes it to me blatantly just untrue. If you look back over over the Twitter thread that he posted. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I think Wizards is in a very tricky spot now like it seems like the magic community is very fragmented like different people want different things and no matter what they do you hear complaints right we we've had complaints for so long oh there's no combo deck in standard we want combo well here you go etherworks marvel right and then now people are like oh my god emerald can't deal with it and then we actually have three archetypes right now which is pretty good right you have a uh, flash delirium and marvel and that's rock paper scissors Right there, but apparently it's stale because it's mid-range decks like bashing into each other. So, so I don't know, right? Like no matter what happens, like maybe magic is just so large now that no matter what happens, there's negative feedback. And because it's social media and it's like an echo chamber, it just kind of gets amplified and you see it. But maybe, I don't know, maybe there's not a problem. And maybe it's just like reading, you know, YouTube comments or something. You know, there's always the super negative person in every video, no matter how good the video is. And maybe that's what feedback on social media looks like nowadays. You're absolutely right. That's a really good point, Richard. And it's it's been happening, I mean, with the growth of social media, especially with magic, because it... I mean, people, I mean, we're old players, you know, people had their gripes before, but you're right. Like this social media outlet has now is now like an echo chamber where it's all amplified. And I mean, even you just, you look back, we were just talking about frontier. Like people are kind of upset with modern. Everyone else, like a lot of people love modern. A lot of people go play modern. Uh, Oh, I don't like modern. I'm going to go play this other format frontier. And then what, like two years from now when everyone else is playing frontier and it's like more, you know, more expensive. Oh, we're just going to go make another format and, you know, whatever. It's going to be Kaladesh for or whatever. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's always just, I guess things just always have to be moving, right? And for them to, you know, for them to ask, like, oh, what do you think about standards? Some people, like I just said, love 
it's the worst Marvel for whatever reason, or you know, love playing Flash or whatever. But you know, and, but here's the interesting part: is that if it was just a bunch of people, and maybe it's they're citing specific like who they want to cite, because it wasn't just like random people that were giving fours. I mean, these were like seasoned pros that was like, dude, this is like a four. You know, this, that, and the other thing is wrong with standard and blah, 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 blah. I think the problem really comes down to, like, a small handful of cards just being too pushed. <clears throat> That's my my feeling on it, is the format isn't bad, but certain cards are just kind of too good. Because if you look at the list, like, in the article, he breaks down, oh, we have, like, aggro and combo and control and disruptive aggro. But there's like certain constants like it, it seems weird to me that your control decks your aggro decks and your mid-range decks all play archangel avison your combo decks and your mid-range decks and even some control decks all play ishkana like your combo decks your control decks your mid-range decks all play emerkel like you have a few cards that are just so over the top good they blur the lines between these different archetypes so it feels like if three cards were nerfed a little bit or changed a little bit you would get a much greater sense of that rock paper scissors effect when it kind of gets blurred because you have these cards that are showing up in the rock the paper and the scissors because the individual cards are just so good yeah i mean richard brought up the point where you have three decks and that's healthy Maybe it's just I've been spoiled, but I feel like a really, like, one of the best standards, you know, you can have almost every archetype represented. Maybe that's why I loved, like, Ravnica so much. I mean, yeah, there was, you still had, like, Umazawa's Jite, but you still had, like, you had, like, Glare of Subduel, you had Owling Mine, you had aggressive decks, you had, like, these, like, Esper, whatever. You had a lot of different wide variety of stuff going on. And I don't know, it just kind of feels... Yeah, like rock paper scissors is fine. You know, where's that aggressive list? Where's that heavy control list? Like, why why can't we have you know all ends of the spectrum here? So so let's cap this conversation off with what do you think the best standard format of all time was? I mean, I just for me it was Kamigawa and Ravnica, and then there was Ravnica and like Time Spiral was even pretty good, but. If I had a pick, yeah, Kamigawa and Ravnica. Um, jeez, this is actually actually hard. I wasn't playing standard during Kamigawa time, so in more recent, as much as Siege Rhino was problematic at times, I think that Con Standard had had some had a good argument for it with a lot of different colors and combinations and styles being viable. So I might go with that. I like the oh, what's what's that? Were they around the 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 Titan standard, where you had uh, Wolf Run and you had Sphinx's Rev and stuff like that. Probably Innistrad. Uh, Innistrad. That was like around the Innistrad. Yeah. Because Wolf Run was Innistrad. I, yeah, I like you know the fact that you had Titans in every color and they were all viable except maybe the blue one, and all the colors were there and you actually had red aggro. Uh, Shrine of Burning Rage is like the craziest card ever printed, and uh, Koth was there too, right? Koth was just a solid red finisher i really enjoyed that standard and then i think second to that is probably around return to ravnica like the four color good stuff standard i thought you could you could play four colors you knew whatever you wanted and it probably worked out all right sweet so let's move on to fish mail pop quiz what episode did we do our first fish mail question in oh no uh 30 two i feel like we've been answering questions since like episode two 
Yeah, Chaz is correct. We didn't call it fish mail, but it was fish mail. I have a clip <laughs> from our first ever fish mail question. A couple questions on pre-release stuff. Uh, I've seen over Twitter's uh, Twitter, a couple of my followers have been talking about the pre-release, whether they're going for the first time or haven't been going. They kind of just have a couple questions. And one of the questions was, should I be trying to pick stuff up at the pre-release or wait till prices settle down? And that was from one of my followers, Top Deck Mage. There we go. At Top Deck Mage with the first ever fish mail question. Wow. Episode two. Wow. So all the way back from the very first episode or second episode, we, we actually had people listening to us, which was amazing. Yeah. And even interacted with us. Even more amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much so, ever since then. I mean, we've had so many, like, I mean, so many questions. Really great well, ones, we too. counted all the questions we answered, like, I don't know how many that would be. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to this week's fish mail. Tweet at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll answer your questions either here on air or uh, directly to you. So from at the fallen 3274, what is the best deck in modern? In fact, like per what what we personally think is the best because this is no que- this isn't even this is easy for me. It's affinity. <laughs> well, that's your favorite deck, right? Or do you really think that's oh. the best deck? It's still good. All right, right? we right? answered both. How about your favorite deck and the best deck? Favorite deck, affinity. Best deck. Ooh, right now, uh, yeah, it probably has to be infect or yeah. affinity. Or uh, affinity. What's your favorite deck, Seth? <laughs> Uh, I really like Free Wind Red still. Blood Moons oh, and Staring Bridges. <laughs> not Lantern? No, not Lantern. I, I, I really enjoy that deck as well, but I don't think it's my favorite overall, but it's close. For best deck, in fact, it's pretty good. Even Lantern or Dredge are also very strong decks, but you know, if I had to sleeve up a deck, it's going to be Jund. Next question from Bustined Up. Is it possible Bolas Planeswalkers are a new type of walker? Walkers loyal to Bolas himself. Ooh. Well, I think... That is pretty cool. I think that uh, Tezzeret disproved that possibility, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> if this happened before Tezzeret was revealed, I would strongly agree with this, and we would have a clip for episode 200. <laughs> but we got Tezzeret today, and it is not Tezzeret Bolas or Bolas Tezzeret. So I think that debunks this theory. Yeah, uh, so it's pretty much going to be exactly Nicole Bolas, the Bolas Planeswalker. Like that is what it's referring to. But I, I yep. do think there there are going to be walkers loyal to him, and I, I really sense like a Legion of Doom, Justice League thing going on here soon. I sense oh, that's, that's where we're going. So bad, please no. <laughs> yeah, you tell me there's going to be like Oath of Bolas, but some other word besides Oath to represent <laughs> yeah. <this> yeah, <laughs> so I every think there's Planeswalker gonna, yep. will have. Their cards. So every planeswalker is like a planeswalker deck. Planeswalker now they Pretty have much. like accompanying cards with them. Yeah. Do stuff. Yep. All right. Next question from Uber Ninja ninety five. What are some of your guys' holiday traditions? Hmm. Well, magic related. Try to watch John Finkel's holiday cube stream. <laughs> he does it every year. 
and it's usually awesome. He plays Holiday Cube and just forces Storm every draft, and uh, Finkel doesn't really stream very much, so that's something I try to check out every year when he does it during the holiday season. Otherwise, it's mostly family stuff, grandparents, and uh, catching up with relatives and stuff like that, so nothing super specific. Yeah, nothing super specific here either. A lot of family stuff. It's really a time where we just kind of, like Seth said, catch up. Um, I I don't really do anything specific either, just personally, but I'll just, I don't know, watch watch movies that I haven't watched during the year. Like, that's a good time for me to catch up uh, that I didn't see in, like, the theater or something like that. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, no, Chaz stole my answer. <laughs> I'm, like, super boring. We don't really do anything special. You know, we just have, you know, a meal together. But uh, we've been going to the theater on Christmas Day, which is weird. Like, why are people working? But anyway, uh, watching movies is a great holiday tradition. Although we don't watch Christmas movies or anything, we watch Hollywood blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Next question from at the big slop. When does Watsy just scrap coverage and outsource it all? I wish they would, but I'm assuming it's a cost issue. I got to assume doing it in-house saves them money and they don't It seem... is outsourced though, right? Is like it? when there's a GP, it's not Wizards doing the coverage. Oh. It's the organizers like Star City Games or Channel Fireball doing the coverage, right? I think some GPs are covered by SCG or Channel Fireball, but I think other like the... LSV is part of the Wizards coverage team now. I think like they do a decent number are Wizards coverage actually. Gotcha. Do you think the the Twitch partnership will do anything about this coverage besides make it worse for people like only use YouTube to watch it on mobile? <laughs> yeah, it'll make it horrible to watch the Pro <laughs> Tour because the YouTube stream is the one that actually worked when the Twitch stream stops working. Um, <laughs> I guess they get more support, but I I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe more advertising on Twitch, which could help. Maybe it'll be on the front page or something when there's big events and help get more people watching, but I, I don't expect any significant changes. Uh, so we're all pro scrapping it. We don't like coverage. Well, I mean, they, there's got to be coverage, <laughs> but I'd be down yeah. with them if no, they no, could, getting it, getting it better. If they could hire like Cedric and if they could hire SCG coverage or even Channel Fireball coverage at this point, I think is better than than the Wizards in-house coverage. I would totally be down with that if they could outsource it to one of those groups. Yeah, pick like yeah, the I best of see... what's going on with Watsi, the best of what's going on with Star City Games and Channel Fireball, and just somehow mix them all together. I like to see some like ESPN person come in, you know, someone that actually broadcasts sports or esports, because clearly there's a big difference when you watch Sunday Night Football and then Magic, <laughs> or like even watching like Hearthstone <laughs> or League of Legends. Yeah. Like, there's clearly something different yeah. here. I don't know what it is. I'm not a pro, but there's something not on par. So what if they just because you're like you're onto something here, Richard? Because Hearthstone, what they do. They get obviously like the esports people. They also have like Brian Kibler. Maybe they just need like someone like Brian Kibler or just literally him, because yeah, and they and give flesh them, out, give them flesh all out. The yeah, Borderland Rangers or not Borderland oh, <laughs> Daybreak <laughs> Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Did either of you see? I think I think it was League of Legends sold their broadcast rights this past week for three hundred million dollars. 
Like they have actual real wow. world companies that are paying them hundreds of millions to broadcast them when Magic is scraping around and paying people essentially to do their events. So you can see the difference between uh, being a real esport and where where Magic is today. There's still a long way to go. Yeah. All right. Next question from the Hazards of L. Do you think Wizards is dropping Modern from the Grand Prix circuit? Will they take Frontier on to take its place? Uh, no, no. I mean, yes, five years from now, maybe, or something, but no, not this year or next year or anything like that. Well, let's say, so obviously not now because Frontier doesn't even exist, really, but say in three years, suppose Frontier is actually a popular format, do you think they would uh, put it on the GP circuit? I mean, I think we'd see... I mean, the pattern repeats itself. We did, Modern would take Legacy's role, and one year there'd be a few less, then the next year a few less, and the year after that there's only two Modern GPs that people travel from around the world to, just like we've seen with Legacy. So I assume that that pattern will repeat itself with Modern eventually, if Frontier really does take off. But I think it'll be a slow process, not just like all of a sudden, oh, all the Modern GPs are gone and we have all Frontier GPs. All right, next question from Sapik121. What would you want to see in return to Dominaria? Morrow bought up the Rabia, Rabia scale, and they may go back at some time. Um, I would like to see it again. I think it's been uh, a good enough time that we haven't been there to you know, go back and see what's going on. Uh, a return to set if need be. So, so where, what was the last block that was on Domin- uh, Dominaria? Where where would we be picking up at? Do you know? Um, <laughs> who is a good lore person? So Weatherlight for sure. Okay. Future uh, Sight. No. Yeah, that was. Well, the the scene was all Dominaria. Interesting. Uh, I guess I'm gonna say yes because I like I like the idea of doing more magic worlds that aren't necessarily real life worlds we talked about that last week so i'm gonna say yes but i'm not super up on the dominaria lore so i don't know exactly what that would mean it's like odyssey i think i think honestly like odyssey block i don't know if you like yeah time spiral i guess had its own like setting but it was all like dominaria it'd be cool to see what's happening there it'd be cool to see their new take on the old stuff you know the characters and locations we all know and love for a lot of people we started playing magic on that plane and we've kind of moved away from it so i think it's just kind of like a a throwback to to all the old school players is what people are looking for and seeing strong legendary creatures that are not planeswalkers which is kind of the original magic story would be super sweet yeah Last question from Semper Nemo. With two ancient themed sets, do you think there will be a Temple Land cycle reprint? Uh, n- I mean, I'd be fine with it, but I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I don't think so either. Uh, I, I don't know. Are the names location specific? They're not, right? Temple of Enlightenment. Yeah, they're not. I don't think they're yeah, location I think specific. They're, yeah, I think they're ambiguous enough that you can you could potentially use them. Like Temple of Silence is kind of ambiguous. I really like the temple, so I hope it happens. Yeah. I think the temple cycle is probably one of the best tap land cycles. So it'd be super sweet if they came back, but I don't know. Do they have anything to do with Amonkhet? Like, do the temples look like pyramids? They do, right? Oh, maybe. maybe, yeah. Which is really funny because I remember saying, everyone saying they hated them. <laughs> everyone hated that. that well, we hated thing. them because we didn't have proper untapped lands. 
Right. But now we're all used to playing Evolving Wild, so like might as well get some upside, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that's all of our fish mail. That wraps up our hundredth episode, gentlemen. Two years. Here, here's two so- years to come. I mean, gentlemen, this is this has been awesome, and I really we wanted to make this podcast fun. It really has been great. It's it's awesome to bring up old pieces of the podcast and really see how we've progressed. We've really grown like accustomed to each other and how these podcasts go and the flow of each cast because you know not just Richard but we were all kind of rigid at first and it was it was daunting I mean we never really we kind of were first jumping into podcasting we haven't really done them before we didn't really know each other very very well Um, and we were all just kind of nervous and I was talking to Seth about this uh, before we started casting like you know the shows are pre-recorded but it still is kind of you know, nervous to go in there and, you know, you know, people are going to be listening to it or not. And, you know, you just have to keep it going. And it's like, it's hard sometimes. Well, well, early on it was. Well, here's to the next hundred episodes. The first hundred have been awesome. And I mean, I'm glad we decided to do this. I remember when Chaz first pitched the idea to me, I was sort of I don't want to say lukewarm, but I just, I never even really considered being on a podcast. So I was like, eh, I don't know. And I'm glad you stuck with it, Chaz, and, and convinced us to do it because it's been a ton of fun and I look forward to doing it every week. So, all right. Cheers, gentlemen, to another 100 podcasts. Uh, this time we'll take notes of the best highlights. So that makes sure I can pull up all the dirt on you guys when we <laughs> reach right. episode 200. Fair enough. Thankfully, Chaz is. Given us some gems. <laughs> Healy, I remember. Uh, <laughs> Seth, Planeswalker deck, Planeswalkers, all of them you're high on for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Vanessa. Uh, yep, we collectively uh, missed. I'm, like, wait, I'm waiting for that, for that one time they screw it up and the Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker is better than the standard Planeswalker. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be interesting. We already have two, two strong candidates right now <laughs> in the making. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play the, the the new it's not the art game anymore it's the is this a planeswalker deck planeswalker or yes. the main expansion planeswalker Tezzeret wow. <laughs> and Johnny that, that, could, that would actually be a legitimate game probably by the episode 200 <laughs> it really would <laughs> yeah sure. so this is going to be the crew for the 100th episode thanks for joining us again and uh, we will do this again next week and hopefully many many more weeks after that so take care everyone 